Maybe you were in the middle of a desert and you longed to find an oasis or at least a vending machine. Maybe you were lost and you longed to find your way home again. Like my little dog last week. (laughs) Sitting rather forlornly in the corner of a field near Cathanger. And Karen found him. Maybe you've been in the middle of a storm, like the writer of the great hymn, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, and you long to find a shelter or a refuge place to escape from the storm. Or maybe, uh, as many of you perhaps here today, have been in a battle, maybe a physical battle but, or some other kind of battle, and you long to be back in the garrison or the fortress where you can be safe again. Well, if your answer to any of those questions was yes, then I'd like to suggest that Psalm 46 is a very relevant psalm for you. The first verse, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. But when we consider that that psalm, these words, was written something like 3,000 years ago, it's remarkably contemporary in the kind of things which it covers. It talks about two kinds of danger. The first kind of danger that's mentioned a lot is the the danger of natural forces. If the earth gives way, the mountains quake and fall into the sea. Uh, The waters roar and foam. Well, we've had plenty on our news in recent years to remind us that the earth is a dangerous and a violent place at times. Earthquakes, landslides, more recently the Sulawesi uh, tsunami, and just a few years ago dreadful earthquakes in Nepal, which left people completely devastated. And the waters roar and foam, the storms that we have seen. Um, The most powerful one recently, the Typhoon Haiyan in the Philippines in 2013, in November, five years ago, with 190 miles per hour winds. Where would you want to be when that was howling around? And then, of course, the tsunami in the Indian Ocean some years ago. But not only is the world a dangerous place because of natural forces, but the psalm also talks about nations. Nations. Nations are in uproar, we heard. Kingdoms fall. Every day we hear of uprising and war. And uh, it's a pretty dangerous place, this world. There's a lot of places I, I would prefer not to be just at this moment. Psalm 46 is divided into three sections. It starts with these words. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Let's just think for a moment about some of those words. God is our refuge and strength. It's good to have a lovely home to come to. But if your home's just been burnt in a fire in California, you can't go there. God is our refuge and strength, says the psalmist. God is our refuge and strength. It's all very well saying God is for somebody else. But no, he is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble is that comforting 
You know, if you're in trouble and you have to call the emergency services, they may not be here immediately. In fact, after the last gardening club, we had to wait an hour and a half for an ambulance to come. But God is our ever-present help in trouble, more so than our family, the emergency services. And so the psalmist says, therefore we shall not fear. Really? Really? Can you honestly put your hand on your heart and say, God is my refuge, I will never be afraid. Well, if we fully understood just how powerful God was, then we wouldn't. But we're human and we don't, so we do. (laughs) We do fear, and that's why the most commonly uh, quoted verse in the Bible is, do not be afraid. Now, if I were being clever, I could have looked it up on my computer and told you how many times that occurs in the Bible, but it's a lot. And in only a month's time, we'll be thinking in Christmas about a young woman who is told she's going to be having a baby. And the angel says, do not be afraid, Mary. And Joseph, do not be afraid, etc., etc. Do not be afraid assumes the fact that we are afraid. So we come to a little word in this psalm which wasn't read out. It's not in every version. But if you read it in the NIV, New International Version, you'll see after each of these three sections is a little word, selah. It's not an English word. It's a Hebrew word. And it's been left there on purpose at the end of every section. And it means pause. At the end of this section, God is our refuge and strength pause. Now Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who was an eminent uh, Baptist uh, scholar and, uh, and preacher in the Victorian times, says this about this psalm. Pause is not an exclamation of dismay. We merely retune our harps with deliberation amidst the tumult of the storm. Do you like that? Time to sit down and tune the guitar. Yeah? That's a kind of peace which actually is above more than we can understand. It's a bit like Psalm 23. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. This isn't going to a peaceful, this isn't going to have a nice meal at Langford's. Actually, to lay the table in the middle of the battlefield with the enemies all around us shows a sense of security which surpasses anything the earth can offer. So after our Salah pause we move to the second part of the psalm. The secure place. The psalmist says, there is a city. There is a city uh, whose streams make glad. There's a river whose streams make glad, the city of God. Now, I don't know about you. I've lived for 11 years in a city. I don't know whether you feel secure in a city. I actually prefer the country, I have to say. But the city here obviously is Jerusalem, but it's a symbolic pattern because it says she will not fall. And as as you will probably know, Jerusalem has fallen several times in her history. 586 BC, again it was demolished completely in AD 70 and it's been a source of battle ever since. And also there's no river in that city. So this is a symbolic thing about the city of God being the place where God dwells. God lives in this city. He dwells amongst 
the people of God. Now, I was very interested to hear uh, uh, when Frankie read that reading. I didn't know which version she was going to read it from. Um, but she read one of the words, and it was totter. And having used to live in, in totter down in Bristol, uh, I found that quite interesting. Now, there is a, a play on words in the Hebrew of this psalm where totter is used to say a, a city, a mountain can totter and fall, but God will never totter and fall. This is the difference in the security that we might find in earthly terms and by making God our refuge. And this third part, the second part of the psalm ends with these words, the Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Words that you know well because you've repeated them a few times. Notice the psalm never says that the city is our fortress, but God is our fortress. And the last part of the psalm is an invitation to come and see the works of God. And when we see what he's done over history, uh, the psalmist wants to point out to us that he is sovereign over the events of this world. Maybe you might not think so. Maybe you think that everything's rolling out of control uh, and is going down the pan. A lot of evidence on our news would point that way. But the Bible tells us that the God who began things will bring it to conclusion. I have started, so I will finish. In the words of Mastermind. The psalmist also tells us not only is God sovereign, but God does not desire war. He is not a warmongering God. Tells us here, he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. Thank God he does. He breaks the bone, shatters the spear, he burns the shields with fire. World War II resulted in a, in a relative period of peace in Europe. Not entirely. So some good sometimes comes out of wars, even though they're not what God desires. World War I was meant to be the war, the war to end all wars. And yet, 20 years later, Adolf Hitler was marching down the same place that uh, Theresa May walked down uh, yesterday to start another war. Will we ever learn? When will we ever learn? The horrors of the Holocaust in the last war. You'd have thought we'd have learnt, but across Europe and across the world, the far right are rising again. It could happen again. That's the sad thing, isn't it? No wonder then that God says at the end of this psalm in verse 10, Be still! And know that I am God. You know, I've often heard this psalm read. Be still and know that I am God. And that's lovely. You can do that sometimes when you're quietly. But this is a God who shouts, be still and know that I am God. If you read it in the Good News Bible, it says, stop fighting and know that I'm God. That's literally the meaning of what God says. Why won't people shut up and listen to me? He says, I will be exalted in the earth. We know he's exalted in the heavens, but he will be exalted in the earth. And he was exalted when Jesus was raised on that cross 2,000 years ago. 
The reading that John brought to us in the uh, Anglican church this morning was from Micah that says they will beat their swords into plowshares. God will judge between many peoples. He will settle disputes between nations. Don't you long for that to happen? Don't you long for God to grab hold of some of the politicians that we hear far too much of on the telly and bash their heads together? My word. But God says, uh, I will uh, be exalted in the earth. And the psalm ends with the same verse. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You see, each of these sections ends in a silah, a pause. And three times we are told God is with us. He was in the beginning. He is with us in the present. And he will be with us in the future. Now it's okay to think about God in the beginning. We can probably hang about that one. And if we've got some faith, we can hope that God will come in the future. But what about now? God is with us now. You might well say, where is he? And you wouldn't be the only one who'd said that. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if the Son of God can sense the absence of God in that terrible moment when he took the sin of the world on his innocent shoulders, then uh, no doubt we, from time to time, in the middle of the battle, in the middle of illness, whatever we're facing, might say, God, where are you in this? In the middle of the Holocaust, where was God in that Sometimes it feels like God has abandoned us in the now. Now, I'm very grateful that uh, these little booklets were uh, handed out because I I found it very helpful in preparing uh, for today. And um, one of the stories, uh, there's a number of heroes that are mentioned in here who, 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 um, and there's one of them in particular that uh, alighted my eye. His name um, was the Reverend Geoffrey Studdett Kennedy. He was an Anglican priest. We won't hold that against him. But he volunteered. <laughs> he volunteered as a, as a chaplain on the Western Front during the First World War. He was affectionately known as Woodbine Willie because he gave out Woodbine cigarettes along with spiritual help to injured and dying soldiers. We won't hold the fags against him either. He was awarded the military cross for his reckless courage, running into no man's land to help the wounded. Woodbine Willie's wartime experiences made him think about prayer and how God answers when we cry out to him. Prayer is not a kind of magic check upon the bank of heaven, he said. In more modern terminology, prayer is not a vending machine where a person's prayer always gets them exactly what they ask for. Woodbine Willie remembered how Jesus prayed in a garden near Jerusalem hours before his crucifixion on a Roman cross. Although Jesus knew what was coming, his prayer was not for safety, but for courage to do God's will. One of the unsung heroes are often the chaplains. The role of a chaplain is to encourage and support the soldiers. They are with the troops. They're on the firing line very often. They have to be fit enough to keep up with the troops. 
But the difference is they don't carry weapons. I understand as well that the chaplain has the equivalent rank of a major. Although he's not involved in strategic decisions, he is treated at a high level by the commanding officers. But his role is to remind the soldiers of God's presence in dark and dangerous places, to encourage them to support them. And as in Psalm 46, in the first, middle and last verse, to remind us that God is with us. Now in 1996, a man who was a chaplain was ordained in this very building. His name is Keith Judson. Does anyone remember Keith Judson? A few of you remember Keith Judson. And uh, he became a Baptist minister and uh, he served in a couple of churches. He's now a chaplain at Primrose Hospice in the West Midlands. And uh, Keith is also a very fine guitarist and songwriter. And this album here, People and Places, contains a song which he wrote called Woodbine Willie. And as I conclude, I would like to just to listen to this short song um, and reflect on what I've been saying and what God is saying to us through these psalms. Let's listen to Woodbine Willie. <laughs> 